With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here. Welcome you back to the show this week. And I'm in a really, really good mood tonight, guys. I sat down just a little while ago to pull up my notes and get ready for the show. And I just noticed that we are now 13 days away from FP1 at the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne on March 12th, race day, Sunday, March 15. And that is absolutely awesome. It seems like an eternity ago since uh, we had the last uh, Grand Prix of 2019 at uh, in Abu Dhabi. And all of a sudden, it seems like those past three months have just disappeared rather quickly. I mean, it's been a very long time, don't get me wrong, but I'm very, very excited now that uh, things are really ramping up. Real racing is only just a couple of weeks away. We're in the middle of uh, the second test in Barcelona. So it's it's a great time of year, and I, I really can't wait. I, if I had a time machine and I could fast forward, well, at least till this weekend and get to the weekend, That's but that's a different story. If I could at least fast forward beyond that, I would pick uh, March 12th to, to go and see what, uh, what happens when we get to Australia, and especially when we get to the 15th of March. It uh, well, racing starts again, and it gets interesting. It gets fun, and the big question will be: Can anybody beat the Mercedes? But uh, that question will have to wait for at least another two weeks. And until then, there is plenty of things to talk about. As always, uh, well, there always is. It seems like it's been a busier than usual off season. I don't know if that's uh, just my own perception or if there has been more news. But it certainly seems like it's been less boring. <laughs> I guess that's the the best, you know, the the best way to put it, it's been less boring the past couple of months, even uh, around Christmas and New Year's, which is always a really, really quiet time. I mean, we we put out a couple of uh, shows uh, during that time, but there was still the odd bit of news trickling through, which seemed a little bit uh, at odds over previous years. But then again, maybe that's just me and it usually is. So I wouldn't read uh, too much into that. Anyways, Before we get into the actual racing news uh, this evening, the uh, coronavirus, which has been obviously a major concern over the past uh, several weeks, uh, just uh, since the the new year, Uh, obviously it has affected uh, Formula One. What with the uh, cancellation of the Chinese uh, Grand Prix in Shanghai in April is uh, still uh, causing concerns. But however, F1 and Chase Carey, the CEO of Formula One, says all systems are go for the the Vietnamese uh, Grand Prix, uh, which is uh, set to go on the 2nd to 5th of April in just over a month's time. Obviously, Vietnam, a very close proximity uh, geographically anyways uh, to China. But anyways, uh, Kerry says that uh, the, the event is going ahead as planned. And uh, But he did acknowledge that the uh, the effects of the coronavirus uh, situation as more and more cases uh, seem to be popping up in uh, different countries around the world. He describes it as, uh, as fluid. So hopefully they will not have to be uh, postponed 
But the CEO of the Vietnamese Grand Prix had the following to say just earlier this week, quote, Preparations for the race are going according to the set schedule. The F1 race in Hanoi in 2020 will take place as planned. We are, of course, monitoring the situation closely and will notify customers and media should there be any changes. Chase Carey also weighed in on the situation, saying, quote, We do plan to proceed with the race. I talked to our Vietnam partners yesterday, and I plan to stop in Hanoi on March 16th on my way back to London from Australia, and all systems are go. Obviously, a country like Italy wasn't really on the radar a few days ago, and now it is. By and large, it's a, a process. What we're doing is actively engage with all the events upcoming, I guess particularly the more current ones, to get perspective from within the countries. Some of it is logistics, barrange, just added restrictions for people coming from a number of cities. Part of what we can plan is to make sure we have flexibility and options in place to look at logistic issues in getting to and from races. Other than China, I guess there's a particular focus on the races at the beginning of the year. We're heading to Melbourne, heading to Bahrain, heading to Hanoi, although to state the obvious, we've got to see what evolves in the coming days. So like I said, uh, of course, uh, nothing is more important than uh, than people's health, but uh, hopefully the situation with the coronavirus uh, is, uh, is solved soon and it uh, becomes uh, contained. And uh, at least from a Formula One point, I sure hope that the uh, the only is uh, the Chinese Grand Prix that is uh, postponed. And hopefully they are able to squeeze it in at the, the end of the season like the, they were talking about a week ago. <laughs> like I was saying last week on the show, I find that uh, a rather ambitious uh, statement uh, from Formula One uh, considering the schedule's absolutely jam-packed this year. And if they manage to pull it off, you know, uh, all credit uh, to them. Okay, well, sticking with the more coronavirus news, uh, the Ferrari factory, which is in uh, Maranello, is in the region uh, of Italy that has been uh, affected by the largest outbreak of uh, coronavirus in uh, Europe. And uh, the, the team has uh, decided to, uh, well, they're basically shutting everything down. Uh, they've uh, decided to restrict all no- non-critical business travel and limiting access to the factory uh, in response uh, to the uh, number of cases that uh, have been uh, showing up uh, in their part of the world. Um, this is nothing unusual. I've a lot of friends that uh, travel internationally for for business, and I know uh, several of them have had uh, non-essential uh, business trips uh, cancelled uh, to Europe in the past uh, several days. Of course, uh, the coronavirus is uh, very limited in where it is, and you know there's obviously concerns why it's uh, popping up uh, where it is. And uh, I think you know again, you just have to to stay uh, safe. Anyways, uh, Ferrari in a, um, a statement had to say, "quote Ferrari has defined precautionary measures to manage the current coronavirus alert, as requested by local authorities, both for." Museums in Marinella and Modena have been closed, and the company has restricted access for employees that are resident or have visited the affected municipalities. The company has also suspended all, uh, until further notice, all external visits, including factory tours as well as non-critical business travel. The situation is being monitored closely. New measures will promptly be implemented and communicated should they become necessary. So there you go. Anyway, so let's get away from the the depressing news and let's uh, talk now about uh, Formula One itself. I'm going to kind of stick with uh, some of the back end stuff uh, because uh, I, I think it's interesting and and kind of relevant uh, too, just before we get into the, uh, the the real meat and potatoes of the news uh, this week. Anyways, we were talking last week uh, again about uh, the, uh, the the proposed uh, Formula One race in Miami. Uh, it's like they had um, uh, cleared some of the hurdles there with uh, with Dade County and the city of uh, Miami, but it seems that uh, well, 
it's it's not really going uh, to plan. And uh, Chase Carey has said, quote, clearly taking longer than we hoped in reference to getting the uh, the, the, the race there. They've been uh, facing all sorts of uh, opposition. They've uh, tried to locate that uh, race in a couple of different locations in the city and are uh, you know, close to, well, most recently, the, the, the last several versions have been in and around uh, Hard Rock Stadium, which is the home of the NFL Miami Dolphins. And, well... You know, honestly, this isn't really too much of a surprise. Again, I, I'm I, I'm all in favor of having a race there. However, it has to be done responsibly. It has to be done properly. You just can't go in and do that because, I mean, where Hard Rock Stadium is, right in the middle of a residential area, and while it must be a big inconvenience every time the Dolphins are playing, you know, when you have uh, tens of thousands of people uh, converging for an event, you know, you're going to get hundreds of thousands of people over the course of a couple of days for the race itself, plus all the impacts pre- and post-race and the setting up and breaking down of it. So it's got to be done right, especially when it's in and around a residential uh, area. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been covering uh, Major League Soccer for a number of years. And I just know just from past experience monitoring the situation and watching the news about uh, the group uh, headed by uh, David Beckham to try and get a team, Major League uh, Soccer team down in Miami and all the uh, the hurdles and all the problems that they had to go through and resolve before they could uh, find a ground for a stadium and get that all squared away. And it took years and years and years. So as uh, disappointing as it is to see, you know, so so much, you know, problems to get the second uh, U.S. race off the ground. Again, uh, it, it's not really a surprise based on, uh, you know, the, all the problems that they had to get uh, Major League Soccer. Of course, you know, it's apples and more oranges. It's uh, two different uh, completely things or different things. But uh, I'm not really surprised for, from that point of view, although Formula One seems to be, <laughs> you know, they do seem surprised and uh, a major event like that I you just can't uh, push it through they're going to have to go through uh, all the steps uh, to, to do it anyways uh, Carrie had to say quote we knew the U.S. was going to take time on one level yes it is clearly taken longer than we would have hoped I think it's frustrating on one level because we've spent as much time as there seems to be always some degree of ongoing complexity I think the reality is that the U.S. for us uh, to really build it it's a five plus year time frame. Uh, we said all along the U.S. isn't going to change our world in two or three years. The goal is really in five to ten years from now, the U.S. becomes a meaningful market for us. In that context, 12 months isn't that big a deal, but that doesn't mean it's not frustrating as you continue to go through it. End quote. So obviously, uh, he's just talking about the situation in, in, in general, but, uh, you know, considering it took uh, David Beckham and his group, what, seven, eight, nine years, whatever it was to, to secure uh, the, uh, the, the land for a uh, a stadium and get that all uh, you know, set up and then uh, actually be able to take that to the people at Major League Soccer and be granted a franchise and all that. I mean, it was pretty close to, to a decade. Now, should it take that long for Formula One? Hopefully not, but who's to say? We're not really in the uh, on the inside. I mean, they're going to have to meet all sorts of requirements uh, to, to do that. And uh, well, who knows? We have no idea how long it's uh, going uh, to take. All right. Uh, well, moving along to the next uh, piece of news, and well, this is a, an interesting one because it uh, concerns the uh, well, the, the the financial well-being of uh, Formula One, and apparently the F1 group has uh, made a profit for the first time in three years, and. And uh, so in, uh, in, in 2018, uh, Formula One's uh, income rose from uh, $1,827 million to $2,022 million, which was like just over 
over $2 billion. Seems a bit strange, the numbers that I've written down here, but anyways, it's a, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of money. Anyways, uh, they posted losses of 37 million, six in 2017, pardon me, 68 million in 2018. And last year, that's a uh, modest compared to, to some of the numbers uh, that they'd lost in the, in the previous two years. But uh, in, in 2018, uh, the group uh, made a profit of uh, $17 million. And uh, well, that's, uh, that's very, very good to, to see. At least it's uh, going around. So uh, the increased revenue that, uh, that the, the recent fall in the, the income paid to the 10 teams has been reversed. Uh, and this is just at a time when the, the, the discussions for the new Concord Agreement uh, are still ongoing. Anyways, uh, the teams earned uh, between them, now this is uh, mind-boggling, this goes back to, to 2016. So the, the teams earned between them uh, $966 million. That dropped to $919 million in 2017. And then uh, $913 million in uh, 2018. And last year, now get this, uh, they shared a pot of just over $1 billion. So that is a, a lot and a lot of money. Anyway, so their, their improved performance uh, was uh, led by uh, a boost in their primary revenue, which was uh, derived from uh, broadcast fees, sponsorship, race hosting fees. And uh, well, that, that's interesting. If you look at the uh, the, the, the breakdown of the, uh, the, the major places where the, uh, the, the, the revenue is coming from. Uh, broadcast, uh, this is not uh, surprising. That's 38% of their revenue. Sponsorship, a, a large uh, portion is uh, 15%. But race hosting fees, which uh, always seems to be a, a big bone of contention, or maybe not a bone of contention, but it does get uh, brought up uh, specifically. I'm thinking of uh, Silverstone as uh, one place. Uh, I mean, the previous deal that they'd uh, negotiated with uh, with Bernie Ecclestone, there's this sort of sliding scale in the increase. But uh, however, uh, having said that, apparently uh, only 30% of uh, Formula One's uh, revenue uh, came from uh, race hosting fees. I thought it would have been a lot higher than that, but um, interesting nonetheless. Um, anyways, uh, it, it is good to see that uh, at least uh, on the balance sheet that uh, Formula One is uh, is healthy, and uh, we'll have to see uh, over time how uh, the, the the numbers continue to uh, increase. So that uh, that's uh, very very uh, good news. All right, so well, let's uh, move along now. Uh, we we've talked. Uh, a little bit, uh, well, quite a bit uh, about uh, some of the behind-the-scenes uh, news in Formula One. So let's talk now. There's there's a lot of news and um, things to discuss that that have come out uh, over the course of the past uh, week or so in uh, in winter testing at uh, in Barcelona. You know, I look at the pictures there, and winter in Spain and Barcelona and Catalonia is obviously a little bit different than uh, <laughs> than winter here in uh, in Vancouver, Canada. Although, obviously, here on the wet coast, it is not nearly as cold or icy or snowy as uh, basically the rest of the country uh, we just get our snow in a uh, liquid form so therefore rain uh, anyways uh, just getting back to, to the serious part here so some of the I, I think it's been interesting to see some of the results that have been coming back from uh, winter testing it's uh, it's really really different uh, than this time uh, last year I mean we'll talk about some of the, uh, the the times that have been posted over the past uh, couple of days as the second winter test uh, has just recently gotten underway but uh, last week there were a couple of uh, items that uh, that really came out uh, from the first session. Uh, the well, I guess uh, one of them is uh, just the, the way that Ferraris underperformed. They had an en- engine failure. The big one is this dual axis steering system that uh, Mercedes uh, has seemed to uh, surprised everybody with, and that's uh, completely blown up and become a real thing. Um, anyways, uh, the the one uh, item that came out uh, that was a, a failure in Sebastian Vettel's car uh, that has now been uh, traced to a, 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 a loop 
lubrication system issue. And uh, the team says it's actually not uh, a cause for concern. I mean, they've been a little bit uh, uh, underwhelming in, in testing, but uh, you can you know fast forward or rewind, I should say, to this time last year when they were blowing everybody away and testing by about a second or a second and a half to lap. Uh, you know, it was all just a false positive because by the time we got to Melbourne in the middle of March, they were well off the pace and remained there for you know, basically two thirds of the season until after the summer break, until they uh, really found lightning in a bottle. And then, well, we had that uh, engine controversy later in the season and they sort of regressed to where they were at the start of the season, which they said was not engine related, but that's uh, you know, a bit of a different story. Anyways, uh, there was uh, the, the team noted uh, that the, the, the problem they had in the power unit last week was, uh, was completely stripped and checked uh, back at the factory in Marinello. And the fault was uh, traced to a non-structural problem with the lubrication system. And uh, they said, uh, as I said already, it's not a big cause for concern and they're already working uh, to correct it and uh, get a, get, uh, get it sorted out. So, you know, I guess it is what it is. Um, uh, Ferrari, they seem, you know, quite casual about uh, the, the way uh, that uh, winter testing is, is gone for them uh, right now. Um, Mercedes has actually been questioning Ferrari's, uh, I guess, uh, uh, assessment of their uh, performance in uh, in winter uh, testing uh, so far, and uh, you know when you kind of uh, look around and see some of the news that that come. I mean, uh, well, last week Ferrari was uh, understated. I mean, uh, to, to put it mildly, uh, they they were two point seconds, uh, sorry, two point six seconds uh, off the, p- uh, the the pace last week, and uh, they they did say, well, part of it is uh, that they they had no intention to go out there and uh, chase the fastest uh, time or top performance in the opening uh, week uh, that you know, a lot of people were surprised and myself included that they were that uh, far uh, off uh, off of the pace and uh, you know Mercedes uh, you know they were in a kind of similar position uh, last year they you know they, they were going to questions you know is the W10 is it, is it a bit of a lemon you know what, what's going on there and then they managed to get it uh, turned around and they came in to, to start the season and they completely uh, blew people away I mean uh, when they got into testing I mean, the car just uh, didn't really perform as they ex- uh, expected it to. And uh, if you go back and uh, see what uh, a lot of the quotes uh, were from people like Total Wolf or James Allison uh, or Lewis Hamilton, they, they, they were quite frank uh, later in the year and after the, the, the season was over that it really took a long time for Mercedes to, to really understand the, the, uh, the, 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 the car that they had. And, and once they, they could understand what the car was actually like to drive and how it was performing, then they knew what to they, they needed to, to do with it. So uh, perhaps uh, Ferrari is in a, a bit of a similar situation and uh, we'll have to see uh, what, what, what happens. Anyways, uh, Sebastian Vettel had to say, uh, quote, you can play around a lot with engine modes, etc. I think right now the target is uh, not to prove the maximum power of the engine. The target is to do as many laps as possible. I think then ramping up the engine and so on, it's probably not something you want to do in testing and certainly not show everyone. It's not on the agenda as far as I know. Uh, anyways, uh, Mattia Bonato, team principal at uh, Ferrari, had uh, the following to say and just added on to uh, Sebastian Vettel's uh, uh, thoughts. Quote, we changed the approach uh, to testing and the program. We focused uh, the first session, so all three th- uh, days, and trying to map the car in various aero configurations, various mechanical configurations without trying to optimize the setup and look for overall performance. 
Our competitors are apparently very strong, but I think we should not forget the history of the last year, and let's wait for the first week in Australia to better understand the true picture, end quote. And uh, I think that is a a very, very good uh, piece of uh, insight uh, from Mattia Bonato. And uh, with with the different teams doing different things and and, and really on uh, running their own program when it comes uh, to winter testing, we really don't know how they compare to, to one another because one team might be focusing on one thing, another team might be uh, focusing on something else. Even if uh, they are focusing on the, the, the same area of the car, uh, they might be running different tires. They might be running uh, heavier fuel loads and they may be pushing the car harder than uh, com- uh, compared to another team. So who knows? We really won't know until we get to, to qualifying. Uh, well, I, I guess even uh, free practice might uh, give us a little bit uh, more indication once uh, they, they really try to get uh, the, the car set up for the race itself. But of course, when it gets really serious in, uh, in qualifying in the race itself, it uh, it will be uh, well. The proof will be in the pudding, right? We will know for sure how things uh, have uh, have worked out and uh, who's uh, well, where everybody is. Anyways, uh, Ferrari did say that uh, that uh, Mercedes are wrong about uh, their engine uh, performance, and uh, uh, Matteo Bonato has basically de- uh, dismissed the uh, the comments uh, from uh, Mercedes that uh, they were uh, running their engines uh, at a different level to their customer uh, to their customer teams uh, in the first test uh, last year. Sorry, pardon me, last week in the first test at uh, Barcelona. Um, anyways, um, uh, Mercedes, so the, basically the question that uh, that they put out there was uh, why has Ferrari spent this test uh, running their power unit consistently at much lower levels than their partner teams? Uh, when uh, when motorsport.com put that question to Mattia Bonato, he had uh, the following to say, quote, we believe that uh, we are not the fastest car at the moment, so I think on lap time we will be behind at the start of the season. What are we lacking? The car of this season compared to the one of last season is overall faster, but we are faster in the corners, slower on the straights. This as well was an objective in designing the car. We knew last year that we were too slow in the corners, so we tried to put as much downforce as we could on the car to make it as fast as possible in the corners, but now we are paying for it on the straights. I think still in terms of overall balance, set up slow speed corners, it's something where we need to improve. But that's part of the job and the task for this week, end quote. So again, I think that's an interesting uh, admission from uh, Mattia Bonato that uh, he's admitting you know, straight up that uh, that uh, they don't uh, think that they have the, the fastest car at the moment. And again, he's really reiterating and emphasizing the the, the, the philosophy that the, they put into the design of the car this week, or sorry, this year, is to, to really focus more on, uh, on downforce because that was their Achilles heel last year in uh, 2019. I mean, they were faster than anyone on the on the straightaways. I mean, look at how Charles Leclerc was able to stay in front of the two Mercedes cars in in Italy. I mean, he was able to uh, keep them just uh, far enough uh, behind, and uh, especially on those long straights that you get at Monza, and uh, was able to hold them off and uh, and secure a, a memorable win. I mean, that uh, that was the win. I mean, we all knew that Charles was going to be a, a rock star last year. I mean, uh, we we just knew that this guy is something special, but that really. Uh, elevated him to a, a different level in the eyes of the Tafosi after that uh, memorable win at uh, at Monza but that was all down to the straight line speed of the car because uh, you know the, the the Mercedes cars would be able to close the gap of it as soon as they came out of the parabolica into that lar- uh, long start uh, finish straight uh, they were able to get pretty close, uh, e- even if they were in a DRS range. They were able to 
actually get pretty close, but not quite close enough to try and make an overtaking maneuver. And then by the time they get to Redifilio at the end of the straight and go into that chicane, that uh, quick right hand and then left hand uh, turn, uh, that, uh, well, it just didn't really work out for them. So again, uh, interesting to see Ferrari uh, just come out and say that, uh, you know, that uh, that they are having these issues. And uh, basically it is uh, due to the fact that the, the design on the car is uh, completely different uh, from, from last year. And they still have a ways to go before they can uh, really maximize uh, the, uh, the performance with it. Anyways, time for a very quick uh, break here on the Overtime Media Network. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So just moving away from uh, Ferrari for the moment, we're going to get back to them again very shortly. But in all the news that is really focused on uh, the lack of anything uh, special from uh, Ferrari and winter testing uh, thus far, and this dual axis uh, uh, steering system that has uh, been uh, implemented uh, by uh, Mercedes has um, kind of overlooked another issue uh, that uh, Mercedes has uh, had to work out uh, during uh, testing uh, so far. And um, that is uh, the fact that they have had some issues with uh, their own engine and uh, it looked like everything was just going absolutely uh, perfect uh, so far but uh, it's come out uh, just uh, recently that uh, Mercedes have had some uh, reliability concerns uh, and uh, was uh, forced to make uh, an engine change. Um, so I mean last week uh, they, they, uh, they being Lewis Hamilton, uh, Valtteri Bottas were fastest overall in in testing, uh, topping the times on two out of three days and uh, well I mean that's uh, it's pretty ominous uh, when uh, you, you see that uh, their challenge for this year, the W11 is just uh, fast as heck, uh, <laughs> straight out of the box. And uh, well, I mean, uh, it, it just actually didn't uh, turn out that way. I mean, um, you know, there, there have been some uh, issues and uh, this uh, has come to light. And um, well, apparently their engine chief, Andy Cowell, has uh, admitted over the winter that the, the development has not been uh, without uh, drama of this uh, new engine. Uh, they've uh, been uh, working on a lot of uh, improvements across the, the entire uh, power unit on the ERS side. On the internal combustion engine side, and uh, well, he said, as ever, quote, we are fighting a few little issues as we pull everything together, end quote. So, well, <laughs> what are what are a few little uh, issues? So, he said uh, basically they they're putting a lot of uh, work into to building the the right specification of the engine, getting it uh, run, and then uh, getting all the power units uh, to all their well, not just uh, the the works team, but all the uh, customer teams as well, so they can do what they need uh, to do. And then uh, last week. Uh, 
uh, Nicholas Latifi, uh, the, the the Williams uh, rookie driver, lost uh, track time uh, in testing when he uh, lost uh, uh, his uh, power unit, uh, which uh, required a change. They're actually Williams is on their third engine so far. I mean, they've been having a lot of problems, and that that is uh, surprising. What we'll talk about a little bit later because they are pretty much uh, bulletproof. The, uh, the 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 power units that uh, that uh, that uh, that that Mercedes uh, build. I mean, they've been very very reliable uh, over the years. I mean, they've had the occasional uh, issue with them. I mean, the one that immediately springs uh, to mind uh, goes back all the way to 2016 when uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, was uh, chasing down Nico Rosberg in the World Championship towards the end of the season. He's uh, leading uh, quite uh, impressively at uh, the Malaysian Grand Prix, and uh, his engine uh, really uh, well. It obviously it led him down that uh, that that weekend, but that was one of the turning moments, uh, turning points in that season because uh, Rosberg, he was uh, kind of really managing the season at that point, not really risking anything uh, more than he needed to. Uh, he knew that uh, that Lewis was fighting back hard in the championship. I mean, uh, by the end of it, I mean he only won uh, the, the the championship by a mere five points over Lewis Hamilton, and uh, well, I mean, uh, obviously Lewis didn't collect any points on that afternoon, and it was all down to a, a failure of his. Uh, engine. So that uh, that was uh, surprising. I mean, if you go back uh, just to uh, last week, so the Mercedes power teams, which is the works team, Racing Point Williams, um, over the course of the first three days of the test, uh, they ran just shy of 1,200 laps, uh, which is uh, just about 300, 400 uh, laps per team. So you compare that to, to the Ferrari teams, uh, they, which is uh, Ferrari, Haas, and Alfa Romeo, uh, they ran uh, just uh, about 1,100 uh, kilometers. Kilometers uh, each, uh, which is about 300, works about uh, works out to about 365 laps uh, per car, or sorry, per team. And then uh, Honda, being the the Red Bull and Alpha Tauri teams, uh, they ran uh, well a lot less, only about 850 kilometers. And uh, Renault, being Renault and McLaren, they uh, ran less, uh, even more. They just ran over 800 kilometers. So, anyways, uh, interesting to hear that uh, Mercedes have uh, been uh, fighting with uh, some issues. I mean, it it, it is interesting. Interesting too that it seems that it is just uh, Williams that have been uh, suffering with the lack of uh, reliability at uh, at the moment. Uh, like I say, you just do not associate any uh, anything uh, negative when it comes uh, to Mercedes, either their cars or their engines. So that is uh, a, a bit of an anomaly that we're going to have to keep an eye on over the next uh, several days as they uh, they go through the, uh, the the second test of Barcelona. Now let's talk about this dual axis uh, steering because this really came out, and of course after I did the the show last. Last week, I actually hadn't really had much of an opportunity to go and really uh, view any of the footage uh, for for winter tw- uh, testing. Uh, and lo and behold, as soon as the, the 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 episode came out, all the news about this uh, DAS really literally blew up, and it's uh, been pretty much uh, uh, you know a big issue uh, ever since. So this is uh, what's uh, been called uh, leaving their rivals wide-eyed, uh, starry-eyed, uh, stunned, whatever you want to call it. Ever since uh, they really caught uh, everyone one um, uh, literally by surprise over the the, the, the past uh, week or so. Anyways, uh, Alain Parman, who is uh, the Renault Sporting Director, said uh, there is a question mark over the DAS under the, what uh, the, the Parc Fermé rules are. He was very impressed uh, just about the system and how innovative it is. And uh, basically this dual axis steering, what happens is if you push the the steering wheel in, it tows the, the, the front wheels in, pull it, pull it out, it tows the wheels out. And basically what it does is, uh, you know, it affects how the car steers uh, through the, the 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 corner. So I mean, there's been a lot of different comments. Uh, Sebastian Vettel's weighed in on this. Alex Albon, a lot of different people. We'll, we'll get to all of them. 
Anyways, uh, Parmana, he was saying, uh, quote, I think we were a little bit wide-eyed about what it is doing, how it's doing it. Like most people, I think we did a bit of video analysis. We don't know what it's doing, I guess. James Allison and his men have done something clever, and undoubtedly they think there's plenty of lap time in it. Obviously, Mercedes have clearly found something that they think is a benefit, and I think that's one of the rather wonderful things about uh, Formula One. Yeah, so legality uh, one way or another, safety uh, issues one way or another, it is one of those things that I think that we all love about uh, Formula One and just uh, how innovative uh, it is. Um, you know, Ferrari uh, saying, well, you know, this, this is nothing new. We thought about it, employing this uh, system ourselves. Um, anyways, uh, before we talk about that, uh, Valtteri bought us feel that uh, that this is going to be a thing that everybody's going to want one but he he really feels that uh, that uh, his rivals all the other teams in Formula One are really going to struggle and find it very difficult uh, to copy this uh, DAS uh, that uh, Mercedes have uh, come up with uh, and he was saying that the first time he heard about uh, the development was about a year ago so I mean of course these things don't uh, come in overnight I mean they've been uh, working on it uh, for a very long time and uh, he said uh, you know it's a really cool thing it's really good uh, that they're the only team that's running this kind of system at the moment and uh, then he goes on to praise the team and he's you know, saying that uh, that that it's just uh, another indication of uh, the very brilliant people that uh, Mercedes have and uh, well again he says he, he figures that uh, even though he's known about it for a long time that uh, that it's going to be very difficult for the uh, the other uh, teams uh, to come up uh, with something as good as an effective uh, as, as they do. Anyways uh, Sebastian Vettel he had to, to, to weigh in on on, uh, on DAS, and uh, he believes that uh, the system would be uncomfortable, is uh, the word uh, that, that he used uh, to describe uh, well, how it's uh, work or how it works. And uh, Vettel had to say, quote, I have seen it and we talked about it at uh, lunch and it looks interesting. I guess the fact that they are running uh, with it means that it is legal. I don't know. It is called a steering wheel, not a push or pull wheel. I don't know if it works. I guess there is quite a lot of work to bring it to the track. It is probably not as easy as it looks for the driver to work with it, but we will see. For sure, it was a novelty for us to see. Yeah, and uh, again, if, if you see the drivers in the car, I mean, they're doing everything that they need to do, and you see them push it and pull it, but uh, again, these are, are very, very talented uh, drivers, very talented uh, people that are in the car, and uh, you know they've got all the different uh, switches and dials and buttons and everything that uh, that they can change uh, the way that uh, the car works, uh, you know, on the track, and uh, they they can do all these uh, amazing things there. So, is it that uh, uncomfortable? Is it that uh, cumbersome or difficult to use? I don't know. You'd have to ask uh, Lewis Hamilton or, or, or Valtteri Bottas. I mean, Bottas himself doesn't uh, seem to, uh, or at least publicly, is uh, not saying that it's a very difficult uh, system to use. And I guess the the, the big. Uh, how do you want to say that? The, the the big clue as to how effective this, situ or this system is, is how soon it takes other teams to come up with their own system and put it on their cars, because usually that's the thing uh, that, uh, that that's a real indication in Formula One. If, if it's good and it works, then everybody wants one. They'll have their own system uh, before too long. So if uh, we see other teams uh, copycatting and putting it on their own cars, then we'll know exactly uh, how effective it is and uh, how much of a difference it's actually 
actually making for the guys uh, on the track as uh, they're going out there. Anyway, so like I was saying just now, Ferrari actually considered a, a DS uh, style system in the past, um, but uh, that was something that uh, they they actually um, actually never went to to, to put it in the car. And then uh, Mattia Bonato had to say, uh, "quote The DS system is something we considered in the past, but we didn't d- design and develop. The reason why is the legality matter, which we didn't clarify with the FAA at the time. But secondly, because we believe it's not worthwhile, at least for our car and our car concepts. We are looking at what others are doing at the moment. It is really a question. Uh, it really is a question mark. I'm not sure we will develop it. And yeah, I mean that that is uh, exactly what I was just uh, speculating on a moment ago. If uh, if if they f- feel like it is uh, really worth it, uh, then they'll put it on their own car as uh, as uh, everyone else. But uh, Alex Albon, uh, the Red Bull driver, he had to, uh, to weigh on it uh, on it as well. And uh, he called the whole DAS uh, system uh, sneaky. And uh, he believes that, uh, well, I mean, if you feel like you've got an advantage, you're not really going to come out and say anything. I mean, people are going to find out in Formula One uh, regardless, right? But uh, so I I don't know if they're being sneaky on purpose. I just don't think you show your hand. I mean, (laughs) obviously it's not uh, poker, but again, you don't want to tip your your rivals off to to any advantage uh, that you have. Um, Anyways, uh, Albon uh, uh, said, uh, quote, uh, maybe would haven't seen it so early in testing. Uh, it is quite nice to have all these onboards and all that. But at the same time, I think nowadays they have uh, photographers everywhere. I think maybe we would have known about it and you guys would have. We are speaking about it with the team, just how they would feel just as a driver moving the steering wheel must feel very strange, end quote. So again, um, uh, Albon, uh, he's uh, echoing the, 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 the similar sentiments and thoughts that uh, Sebastian Vettel was just about the, the whole system and what it's like to drive with. And uh, I I guess uh, the only way to answer it uh, for them is to, to try it uh, themselves. Anyways, uh, obviously. Uh, anyways, uh, Ferrari, uh, just uh, going back uh, on the whole legality of uh, DAS, has uh, decided that they want uh, clarification on the issue. I think uh, that that is no uh, real surprise because if, if it turns out that uh, that it's legal or not legal or safe or not safe, Ferrari just uh, want to know. And of course, uh, <laughs> this is no real different than uh, than the, the whole question about the, uh, the legality of Ferrari. Uh, Ferrari's engine last year and all the clarifications and technical uh, directives uh, that came out because, you know, people uh, were, uh, were were raising a bit of a stink about that. And uh, Bernardo uh, had to say, quote, I've seen that there's a lot of discussion about it. Personally, myself, I didn't really look at it in detail what it is about, but I think we will trust fully the FAA. I'm pretty sure that they will have already done the right decision or they will do it, but I completely trust what the FAA will judge. Uh, are we discussing with the FAA? Not yet. We will do for clarification important for us to understand but as I said we will not challenge the FAA on their decision because we trust them fully on what will be or has been the decision on that so yeah again I think everybody needs to know because he was fair in the, the, the previous comment he was pretty uh, straight up it was basically there was two issues on it A was it legal and the second issue was and more importantly for them was well even if it was legal it didn't really work with the concept of the car so what was the point of putting all the time, effort, and money into uh, developing a DAS or a similar system for their car when it uh, wasn't really fitting in with the plans uh, for for what they're they're doing. Anyway, so even though 
it seems that the system is legal, DS possibly could be on the wrong side of the the Park Ferme uh, regulations. And uh, like I say, I mean, it's being given all clear by the FAA on the on the on the technical side, on the rule side. I mean, they haven't uh, reached any uh, rules. I mean, they've uh, who's to say uh, we really get into it if it's uh, really a loophole or anything like that, a bit of a gray area. I mean, they got the green light for it, and that is the the, the most important thing. But uh, it, it it is interesting because um, going back to what uh, Alan uh, Parman was uh, saying from from uh, Renault, uh, you know, just the, the whole park for May question mark about it. Uh, he, he feels that the, uh, the the detail lies in the steering system or suspension system. Uh, the two in the technical regs are defined differently, and that's uh, where the where the detail is. Um, so, I mean, the the sporting ra- regulations for for uh, Formula One dictate that a car is under per- park for May con- conditions the moment that leaves a pit line a pit lane during qualifying in the start of the race so you can't make any changes on it and uh, article 34.6 of the the, the rules in formula and uh, add quote a competitor may not modify any part on the car or make changes to the setup of the suspension while the car is being held under park for may conditions in a case of a breach of this article the relevant driver must start the race from the pit lane and follow procedures laid out in article 36.2 in order that the scrutineers may be completely satisfied that no alterations have been made to the suspension systems or aerodynamic configuration of the car, uh, with the exception of the front wing, whilst in uh, pre-race park for May, it must be clear from the physical inspection that the changes cannot be made without the use of tools. So interesting, right? I mean, uh, they come up with this uh, very, very brilliant system. It's ruled okay by the uh, by the uh, FIA in general, but then uh, it comes down to a question just about the the, the, the park for May rules. So, anyways, F1 race director Michael Massey has uh, declined to elaborate on the specifics of uh, what's going on uh, with the Mercedes uh, system. Uh, he said that uh, that they won't uh, discuss the uh, individual team's technical elements, uh, and uh, just uh, went on to say that uh, that they've got a query from a team. Then they'll they'll deal on it uh, on a one by one basis. So <laughs> there you go. I guess uh, we'll find out uh, one way or another. But that would be a kind of a, a, a bit of a shocker to say the least. That uh, even though that uh, the, the system may be legal in one way and maybe not another, wouldn't it be a shocker if it uh, then that it does uh, actually violate the Park Ferme rules? And you could see uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, and Valtteri Bottas starting from the back of the grid. I mean, uh, it seems. Well, I mean, it would be very Formula One, right? It, uh, it always uh, finds a different way to surprise us uh, dramatically uh, one way uh, or another. Anyway, so just uh, talking now about uh, the, uh, the the safety aspect of uh, DAS, uh, the FAA, just uh, in, in looking at it, uh, they say that uh, there, there's no questions on uh, over the regards of the system uh, to, to safety. And uh, they say that, uh, that it is safe, despite uh, what they call uh, an unusual amount of movement uh, in the in the steering wheel, and uh, then again, this is uh, from uh, Michael Massey, F1 uh, race uh, director. He said, "Quote: I think from the FAA uh, perspective, at the end of the day, safety is our number one element. So there's no questions regarding the safety side of it. Rest assured that the, this is the highest priority from our side." And 
quote. So again, there's so many different things uh, to look at uh, with this uh, DAS and uh, how long uh, it, it it stays on the car. That That is another uh, another question. Clearly, Mercedes, I uh, think it's a, a big deal. But uh, again, one of the, uh, the other uh, different uh, discussions that have come out is that uh, even though it's uh, different, uh, there's uh, the, the discussion whether it's comfortable, whether it's safe, that uh, that there are people warning out there that uh, that they, they shouldn't shut it down and uh, and, and that development like uh, this are good for for Formula One. And I absolutely uh, think so. And I, I agree with uh, that. I mean, when you see some of the trickle uh, down technology that uh, that reaches, um, you know, re- regular road going cars uh, that, that we all have, uh, be it uh, ABS or uh, traction control or anything else. I mean, I've, a lot of us have paddle shift on our, our cars. I've had on my car for a number of years. I mean, it's 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 a cool innovation and, and actually makes uh, driving a little bit more fun when you can use the paddle shift on uh, on the back of your steering wheel. But I mean, that's a, a different uh, aside. Anyhow, I mean, that, that, that really what it is uh, when, it, when it comes to Formula One. In, in my opinion, and I'm sure it is uh, the same for many of you, Formula One is supposed to be the pinnacle of, uh, of motorsport. While I, I think it's a, a very fine line to define as to where where, where you decide where, where where it goes too far in terms of how much you put into the hands of the driver and control of the car and uh, and and driver aids and whatnot. I mean that 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 is a very legit um, you know discussion and and debate to have because even though you don't want to make it too easy for these guys uh, when when they're out there, you you want to make sure that it's as difficult out there because it's supposed to be. An extreme environment. I mean, it's supposed to be the the best teams, the best cars, the best drivers in the entire world, going uh, in, literally to all four corners of the over the earth over basically three quarters of the year. It's an extreme thing to do. I mean, they really are pushing people, machinery, and and everything uh, to to the limit. And I think that innovation and and design and all those things in Formula One, regardless if it comes trickle down to us the general public in some watered down form you know that that's really cool but you, you can't take the innovation out of formula one like i say there, there is a fine line to where you draw the the, the line between the the drivers and the driver aids but uh, again don't take that out of uh, of formula one you don't want to stifle that creativity you don't want to stifle that uh, in a, innovation and uh hopefully uh we see uh, more of it i mean that's what formula one is all about uh, you know if it's going to be the bestest uh racing series in the world the top dog if you will that uh, these sorts of things uh, are necessary you got you have to be you got to be the best in all categories anyways uh, DAS is not the only thing that uh, Mercedes uh, have up uh, their sleeve and we'll talk a little bit more just uh, again after a very quick break here on the Overtime Media Network don't go away we'll be back in just a moment this podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money are you saving to reach your financial goals reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. 
Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. Monarchmoney.com slash podcast. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Yes, as I hinted at uh, just uh, before the break, that uh, the DAS is not the only uh, change that uh, Mercedes has made uh, for this year. Uh, James Allison, uh, technical uh, director at uh, at Mercedes, had the the following to say: "Quote: We decided that we would make a car that was aggressive, despite the fact that there were no change in the regulations. We would take every part of the car and see if we could challenge ourselves to make it better." Uh, Allison uh, went on to say that uh, there were literally hundreds of design changes on the, the, the W11. And this includes a new front suspension, which uh, offered a, a more uh, aerodynamic opportunity, smaller side pods, and uh, and a big change uh, in the rear suspension. So he uh, went on to say that uh, even though that, that uh, the, the, the regs haven't changed, what they've done is all about uh, the, the details. So, I mean, they really are taking something in what was a very, very good uh, car in the, the W10 last year and have uh, really uh, improved upon it. And to say that they were 2.6 seconds faster than Ferrari last week, uh, you know, obviously doing uh, different things at different times in testing, but that, that not saying, uh, you know, that's being said, I mean, that is a very, very big uh, gap. So interesting uh, to say, I mean, the, the, the smaller side pods, uh, that, uh, that is, uh, uh, sorry, where did I go in my notes here? Oh yes. Smaller side pods. There we go. Uh, this has helped to, to help the airflow in the area of the car. And, uh, again, it's, uh, just all these little things, you know, that take what, what is very good car in the W10 improve upon it in, in a year when there aren't uh, big technical changes. And you just know that everybody else is making changes to, to the car, refining the designs of last year, and uh, it really does kind of come down to who makes uh, the, the best changes on their designs or completely new design within the current regulations that was uh, we've seen with uh, other teams like uh, Racing Points. And uh, that was uh, kind of a clever segue and it was completely unintended because <laughs> looking at my notes now, that is actually the, the next item up and we're going to talk about the RP10, which looks to be a very suspicious uh, design. Looks very similar to the W10, uh, the Mercedes cars of uh, last year. But uh, the FAA is being uh, pushed uh, to make sure that uh, teams are not illegally sharing information uh, between each other by rotating staff. I mean, I guess this is maybe one thing that's uh, surprised me a little bit, but maybe not too much. But Ferrari, or sorry, Ferrari, I mean, the Formula One in general is, is a bit of a small world, as you you might expect. I mean, uh, you know, the, the the people that work in Formula One, the engineers, the designers, and, and, and all that, I mean, it's a small world. So you can see that uh, the, the best of the best are going to make it into Formula One and the best of those people are going to be highly sought after within the sport, uh, within that uh, community. And uh, I'm sure that uh, there is a fair amount of uh, transition and people uh, moving back and forth. But that really wasn't uh, really an issue until last week when we saw the RP10, the, uh, the, the, I keep calling them Force India, you know, habits die hard. Anyways, the, the RP10, the racing point uh, car for this year, like I say, it looks very, very similar to last year's uh, Mercedes and uh, I've, I've seen a number of pictures where people have uh, basically spliced images of the two cars together and looking at it that way I mean it, it really is I mean they're not completely symmetrical but you can 
excuse me, you can see where the RP20 borrows heavily from uh, from that uh, W10. Um, anyways, uh, the Racing Point Technical uh, Director Andy Green said, quit, or quote, uh, this bit really upsets us and still upsets us about what goes on is the transfer of information that can and does happen between the big teams and the small teams. This is uh, circumventing the regulation. That's the big uh, bit we don't uh, like. You know, the, and again, this is not really a, a new discussion. It's, it's kind of interesting that it's uh, focusing uh, really on uh, on Racing Point because it's really gone back a couple of years because uh, ever since Haas came into Formula One several years ago, there, there's been a, a lot of uh, you know discussion about that, that they've been uh, a clone of a uh, Ferrari and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, debate and, and a lot of those um, uh, questions were raised by Racing Point themselves. So now it's a, it's a little bit ironic uh, that it's uh, come back and now that uh, they are the team that's uh, that that's in the crosshairs uh, on this uh, on this issue, but you know it, it is interesting too because uh, when you hear some of the different uh, perspectives uh, out there, uh, team principal at uh, Red Bull, uh, Christian Horner, he actually uh, thinks that uh, that that uh, teams that are using what he calls clone cars in Formula One, he, he thinks that it might uh, actually make uh, the the sport. Uh, uh, he, feels it might actually make Formula One better. Anyways, uh, Horner had to say, quote, I think collaborations do make sense. Otherwise, how do teams like Alpha Tauri, Racing Point, Haas, and even Sauber or Alpha Romeo even compete? If they couldn't buy suspensions and gearboxes, all the R&D that they're going to have to conduct themselves will be big, uh, big amounts of resource. Of course, some teams look like they've gone further and they're cloning than others, but as long as it complies with the rules, I don't particularly have a problem with it. For Liberty, it creates a more competitive grid. For the teams, it makes Formula One more affordable. Of course, you don't want 10 cars that all look the same, but I think there's elements of the car that are transferable, like suspension and gearboxes, for example, that make a lot of sense, end quote. Yeah, so I mean, he is talking a little bit more about the uh, the, the hardware in the car. I mean, uh, I, I think the big controversy, uh, especially for the racing point, it's uh, not so much um, uh, parts that have been copied or borrowed uh, from from other teams inside of the car. It's the actual design of the car itself, uh, has, you know, and the similarity that it bears to the W10 that 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 has really uh, brought that uh, discussion uh, to the forefront. But uh, you know, it, it is interesting because uh, you, you have on, on one side. You have Kristen Horner saying that as long as uh, within the rules, he doesn't really have uh, an issue for it. But um, you look at some uh, different people like uh, uh, Renault's executive director, Marcin Budkowski, and uh, the quote is, uh, I think it's slightly concerning evolution for the sport. And uh, it's a trend that that, uh, started a few seasons ago and is a new chapter in that trend. I think for the FIA to decide whether it's fully compliant or not. So at this stage, I don't think I have any more to say, end quote. So yeah, I, I understand that uh, quote from Budkowski uh, completely because on one hand you you have Horner that saying, oh yeah, well it's it's no big big deal as long as uh, within the the, uh, the 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 rules. But when you see you know the the amount of borrowing that uh, that that has gone on there, has that uh, crossed a line? Yeah, perhaps maybe it has. But maybe it's uh, it's not. It really does come down uh, to a question of what do the rules allow at the end of the days. And I mean, uh, if the rules allow that, then 
you know, there, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a, it's just, a, you know, I think it kind of comes down to, to people's personal opinions on uh, whether or not they think it's a, it's a good thing or a bad thing for Formula One. But, you know, on, on that, I think that uh, as long as it's within uh, the, the, the rules, I don't particularly have a, a, a problem with it either. But again, it, it depends how far it's going, this, uh, the, this copying or cloning. And uh, clearly Budkowski feels it's going too far and it, it's crossed that line and uh, perhaps it's a time to rein it in. Anyway, so let's get away from the the, the cloning issue now. I want to talk about uh, several more things and got a long ways to go here before we we start to, to shut it down. So Alain Prost, uh, who is a multiple uh, world champion and has been uh, in, involved with Renault for uh, quite some time, he says that... Uh, what he calls, quote, the stupid electric obsession leaves uh, Formula One in a, in a tough spot. And um, particularly, he is uh, referring to moves by government to, to ban the sale of, uh, of gas and diesel cars uh, are really risking uh, killing uh, the European car industry. And then it will leave, uh, because of that, it's going to put uh, Formula One in a, in a very difficult uh, position and they'll have to make uh, some uh, tough uh, dis- uh, decisions. So uh, Prost had to say, quote, I'm really upset what I see today with the automobile industry. We are going to give everything to the Chinese automotive industry where in 10 years time they're going to introduce their cars here and that is what I don't like. I don't care uh, because I'm not part of the industry but I really hate that. It is stupid, stupid regulation. We are going to lose, I promise you, 1 million people, employees, in the next 10 years in the automobile industry if we don't change that. Today if you have a big car with a diesel engine with the, the nice pollution filters, it should not be a problem. So, well, th- that is interesting. I mean, obviously, uh, the uh, the internal combustion uh, engine, that is uh, eventually, that's going to be a thing of the past. Uh, you know, Prost obviously has uh, some very strong feelings about that. Uh, the the uh, the move to ban uh, the diesel and gas-powered cars. You know, here in, in, in BC, I mean, we are geographically a very large province uh, within Canada, but our population is uh, fairly small. I think we're about, uh, about five, five and a half million people, most of whom uh, live in the greater Vancouver area so obviously um, the, the province as a whole you know air pollution is not a big of an issue as uh, other places however in a big uh, urban uh, environment and uh, the, the urban urban sprawl that we have here in the lower mainland uh, they, they can be a problem and it was a bit of an, uh, a problem in the in the past I mean LA is one place that that uh, in North America that has had a, a bad reputation or people will think of uh, for for pollution like that I mean Beijing obviously is a uh, has been one that's been uh, brought up over the years in other uh, other big cities in uh, developing countries around the world, and that that would be uh, to be uh, expected. But even here, uh, there there has been uh, some discussion that uh, the provincial government wants to see, uh, you know, uh, a ban on uh, uh, gas and diesel powered cars by I think twenty forty is the, uh, the the year that's uh, been speculated upon. But I mean, nothing's been legislated or anything like that. I mean, more and more, and I'm sure this is no different uh, to any other part uh, of North America or Europe or anywhere else uh, where electric cars are available. I mean, you see more and more all the time. I mean, even as recently as a couple of years ago, if you're driving down the road and you saw a Tesla, you go, oh, well, that's that's interesting. You don't see that every day. But now, I mean, uh, electric uh, vehicles uh, of, uh, of so many different brands, I mean, you see them all the time now. And uh, it really is, uh, it, it is amazing to see just uh, how many of them uh, that they are out there. But again, you know, you go from, uh, from, from one type of t- technology 
to another. Obviously, uh, electric cars uh, don't, uh, you know, admit, uh, you know, air pollution in that way, but uh, it uh, provides challenges on, on another front. I mean, uh, electric cars have batteries and much and you know, the thing, much like your phone or any other electronic uh, device, batteries run out and they, they need to be charged. So where's all that electric uh, power going to come from? Anyways, that's a little bit uh, different uh, from, from what uh, Prost is saying. He's uh, really focusing on uh, a different um, uh a, a different area that uh, would be impacted uh, should uh, the European uh, car industry suffer because of this uh, this uh, you know move to to ban gas and uh, diesel powered cars, and he feels that uh, that uh, that's going to affect millions of uh, of employees and uh, eventually is going to kill the industry, and it'll be uh, taken over uh, by the Chinese manufacturers. So complex issue, you know. There's there's no easy. Well, you know, you can say well maybe they're going to need to step their game up, and <laughs> obviously that is a, an easy answer to, to say without really uh, diving into the issue in a, in a lot more uh, uh, detail but uh, those are some strong words from uh, multiple uh, world champion uh, Alain Prost. Anyways uh, just uh, sticking on that uh, slightly the uh, the electrification issue is a complement it's really pro- proving a bit of a complication to uh, Honda's uh, discussions uh, with uh, with uh, with Red Bull and uh, well I mean right now they have a, a deal to stay with Red Bull uh, up until 2021 but uh, you know we Beyond that, they are complicated by what they call financial pressure on its parent road company because of the the, the moves to electrification. Um, anyways, uh, just to sort of building on the uh, what we we're just talking on uh, about Alan Prost, uh, global car manufacturers are in a very tough business conditions of uh, the moment because of all the regulatory clampdowns on the the, the everything about uh, gas and uh, diesel powered cars that uh, they can sell. So all these different uh, regulations and legislation are, are really pushing them towards. Uh, uh, electric vehicles where they want to or not and uh, well I mean the big problem there is there's a, a huge uh, investment that's uh, re- required from the monetary side and the profit margins are, are a lot less than uh, in the, the traditional uh, gas and diesel uh, power cars and uh, well again here this uh, right in my notes here there there's uh, you know governments around the world trying to outlaw the sale of new uh, gas and uh, diesel powered uh, and hybrid engines by uh, 2040 at the latest so uh, I didn't just pull that number out of the air sometimes i do but anyways that is uh, out there but uh, anyways uh, honda they're only committed to stay in f1 until the end of next year uh and they they, they only extended that uh their their engine deal with uh red bull and alpha tauri just uh, by a, a single season but again it is not the main focus of honda honda basically made uh, make uh, road cars and uh, and trucks and motorcycles and uh you know if um, formula one is not financially viable because for for whatever reason that may it might be maybe it's costing too much maybe they're not uh, winning but maybe the money needs to go uh, elsewhere in the company and uh, that is uh, exactly uh, what uh, what uh, Masashi Yamamoto who's the managing uh, director of uh, Honda's F1 uh, program uh, he said quote we are speaking to Red Bull about the continuation after 2021 but the other thing we have to consider is the whole car industry is facing a very difficult situ- situation because of electrification many companies have to invest a lot so we have to kind of think about the business side and how efficient we can run the program. That's the point, end quote. Okay, so 
there we go. Let, let's talk now uh, a little bit uh, about uh, winter testing. Uh, we're going to do so. Long show this week. Uh, I got a lot more material uh, to cover. And actually, I think we're just going to take a, a quick break here. We'll take our final break here now, and we'll come back, and uh, we'll uh, devote the, the the rest of the show to winter testing and uh, some silly season news uh, involving uh, Valtteri Bottas and uh, Danny Ricardo. And we'll do that quickly after the break, so don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. All right. Welcome back to the show. Yes, uh, as I was saying just uh, before the break, uh, we are now going to uh, talk about uh, winter testing. Some of these times are going to blow you away. It's uh, really quite uh, astonishing. But going back to uh, what we were talking about earlier in the show, just about some of the uh, perceived uh, reliability problems with the the Mercedes uh, uh, power units. Uh, Williams, they're already on their third engine of uh, winter testing uh, so far. So they have had problem after problem with their Mercedes power units uh, so far. I mean, this, this team has been through the ringer already. They've had so many problems. I mean, they were several seconds off of the pace uh, last year. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, uh, the, the the rookie, was saying that not all the problems have uh, been solved with the, the FW43, um, uh, their car for this year, even though that uh, there are definitely some uh, positive signs. But again, when you're having issues uh, with the power unit, and that that's a big one. It's uh, really uh, limited the, the amount of uh, testing uh, that they can do, the amount of laps that they've been been able to uh, put in and uh, the recurring engine problems uh, were uh, described a little bit uh, more by a, a rather uh, lamentful uh, Claire Williams that is a quote we have had some engine problems which have been a little frustrating we're on our third engine issue now which has obviously cost us quite a lot of track time which is unfortunate I suppose it is what can happen in testing and it, at least it's not our issue that is something has gone wrong with the car apart from that it's gone well we're covering the run program as well as we can with a limited mileage that we've got i would be happier if we've had some more miles under our belt i suppose end quote so yeah you know that that has got to be a very frustrating for williams i mean last year embarrassingly they they showed up uh, unprepared several uh, days late uh, to testing and that they just got off to the season on the wrong foot and it never really got uh, any better for them uh, from there i mean the design concept they had on the car was just not good and it was uh, just uh, just terrible but i mean they they've been uh, i mean they were there on time they're much more prepared uh, this year uh, compared to the where they were 1 year ago and uh, they were really enjoying a uh, a fairly strong uh, first uh, couple of days at the first uh, test uh, last week and then they've uh, had a, a number of uh, setbacks uh, since then so the problems that they are having uh, with their power units are currently under investigation uh, by Mercedes. And, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll find out uh, what it is. Uh, he said, or sorry, uh, Williams had to say that uh, she felt that there was an issue with the, the MGUH on, uh, on, on Thursday last week. Then there was a sensor issue on Friday that was uh, on the, uh, the, the, the Williams side. And, but that, I mean, they only set them back uh, for a half an hour, an hour at, at most. And so it's a very, uh, 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 minor, to that, but some of the uh, the, the the first assessments that, that they've had with the, the problem was an oil pressure issue, and uh, so they they sent those engines back or that engine back to, to Bricksworth uh, to the engine factory uh, to Mercedes, uh, and they'll have a chance uh, to look at it in a little bit uh, more detail. Now, this is something that uh, that uh, was a real surprise, and that is uh, Robert Kubica, reserve driver at uh, Alfa Romeo, out of a race seat at uh, Williams this year, but uh, still in Formula One's reserve driver. He was the fastest uh, driver driver at uh or 
sorry, in uh, 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 testing uh, on uh, on Wednesday, and uh, sorry, on Thursday, pardon me, he, he set a time in the Alfa Romeo with a, of a 116.942, doing uh, 53 laps, followed by uh, Max Verstappen about uh, 0.4 of a second off, uh, Max running 84 laps in the Red Bull, he set a fastest time of 1 minute 17.347. Sergio Perez, now he was third fastest uh, in the Racing Point RP20, set a time of uh, 117.42. Running 84 laps just like Max and not very far off of the uh, the, the, the pace there, only about a tenth of a second. Uh, Danny Keviat and Pierre Gasly, uh, fourth and fifth fastest uh, on Thursday in the uh, in the Alpha Tauris, uh, setting a time of about uh, 117 and a half uh, for, for respect, uh, respectfully. Um, then Alex Albon, sixth, Lewis Hamilton, Lance Stroll in the, uh, the second racing point, and Valtteri Bottas in the second Mercedes. And uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, rounding out the, the top 10 and uh, Vettel setting a time of 118.113, uh, running 84 laps. Uh, Bottas, not that much quicker, only about uh, a hundredth and a half a second. Uh, Bottas's fastest time in, uh, out of 90 laps uh, was a 118.1. So very, very surprising to see uh, Robert Kubica at, uh, at the very top uh, of the charts there. I mean, you look at uh, his uh, teammate in comparison, Kimi Raikkonen was uh, 18. 18th fastest uh, out of uh, 19 cars that uh, that tested on, on Thursday. Uh, his uh, his best time in 51 laps was a 119.5. So quite a bit off the pace of uh, Kubica's 116.942. So uh, that that was quite a surprise to see that. But um, interestingly, uh, just to, to, to build on that, uh, Kubica feels that uh, that uh, Alfa Romeo still has uh, quote something more in the in the pocket. Uh, so uh, Kubica elaborated on that saying quote I think we have something in the pocket and we definitely have some uh, some new parts coming so that's quite optimistic we actually did improve a few areas where we struggled last week where my feeling and actually all the drivers feelings were that we have to improve and actually the reaction was very good very quick uh, so still a bit of optimization, I would say, but it's nice to see that when the team is reacting quickly and trying to give value to what you say. So hopefully we'll, we will be able to improve. Definitely there are different problems, different things to do, and we still have more performance in our car, end quote. So very interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on uh, on Alfa Romeo. Again, uh, when it is testing, you got to take everything with uh, with a pinch of salt. We, we don't really know what uh, everybody is, uh, what, what they're all doing. Uh, but uh, just uh, we're you know, moving on from uh, Alfa Romeo, another team that's uh, been uh, uh, doing uh, pretty good is uh, the racing point and uh, Sergio Perez uh, said that the, the RP20 is uh, the best car that uh, he's uh, ever had in, in Formula 1 and uh, he said, quote, I think yes, I think this can be the most solid package I've had in my career to start the season, end quote. Sticking with the racing point uh, what with uh, Lance, uh, sorry, Lawrence Stroll and his uh, consortium uh, buying a major uh, stake in Aston Martin and the team uh, being uh, rebranded as an Aston Martin's work team uh, for, for next year. Uh, sorry, in 2021. Uh, well, that is next year. Gosh, I'm stuck in 2019. Anyways, uh, it'll be what he's calling uh, true integration, which will be beneficial for, for both sides, both uh, the Formula One and uh, for the uh, for the road car uh, company. So uh, team principal uh, Otmar Safnauer uh, had to say, quote, 
it should be great. It's a win-win. It should be beneficial for both sides. I mean, we're going to become a works team with a fabulous name. And Aston Martin will get some trickle-down technology from F1 and some technology transfer. First and foremost, we've got a nice tunnel, wind tunnel in uh, Brackley that they can use. We've got aerodynamicists that they can tap into as well. And I'm sure there will be other technologies that will trickle down into road cars. We make things really like stiff, which helps make a, a race car and it also helps a performance road car. So there will be areas that will help their sports cars. I look forward to that, end quote. So interesting uh, to see. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what they, they can do. I mean, uh, Racing Point, a team that's uh, really been uh, brought back uh, from from the brink. I mean, they were almost, uh, well, I mean, they were, really were on life support in the, their last uh, you know, their last days there when, uh, you know, uh, VJ Malia, former team principal of uh, Force India, had the team wrested away from him uh, after went into administration. And, you know, all, all credit to, to Lauren Stroll and uh, and his partners to step up, put the money into the team. I mean, you know, all, all the cynics out there say, oh, he's just put his money in there just so, uh, you know, Lance is uh, somewhere to, uh, to, to drive. And, you know, that will be interesting to see, uh, you know, if he can stick in Formula One. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of speculation that, uh, that all the cars uh, or the car that uh, that he had last year was uh, you know designed more for Sergio Perez and didn't suit him at all so a year on uh, we will have to wait and see I mean he wasn't uh, up there at the top of the timesheets uh, compared to his uh, teammate but he was in the top 10 and well, I, I guess uh, one of the best uh, one of the best indicators out there as to how good you are is uh, how you not only match up with your competition, but how close you are to, to your teammate. Anyways, uh, just uh, moving back to, to Red Bull, um, apparently them and uh, and Honda are uh, targeting no engine penalties in in twenty twenty, which is a very uh, lofty. Um, that's a very lofty uh, goal to aim for. And, uh, well, I mean, the, the, the one thing is that there's a lot of optimism and, and uh, positivity about the reliability of uh, Honda's uh, power unit uh, for, for this year. But, uh, you know, Masashi Yamamoto, the uh, managing director of uh, Honda F1, said uh, that they have a schedule and they're going to try and follow the allocation without, uh, without penalty. I mean, it seems... Most teams uh, deal with that uh, from uh, occasion from time to time. And, uh, you know, these engine penalties uh, really... uh, (laughs) can affect somebody's weekend you see somebody have a, a very good uh, qualifying and then have to uh, you know change uh, something out in the uh, in the in the in the power unit for one reason or another and then uh, have to incur all those uh, penalties and drop right down to the grid uh, as a result so we'll have to wait and see you know let, let's revisit that one uh, well let's let's come back at the end of November and see whether or not they can attain that but that is a a big uh, goal uh, to aim for anyways uh, Alex Albon one of the Red Bull drivers he he said that uh, this uh, year's car, the uh, the RB15, uh, which was, sorry, last year's, was a deva- demanding car, in his words, for the drivers uh, to master. But uh, this year's uh, car, the RB16, is is feels more usable and is a step forward into the design from, from last year. So the RB16 uh, last week uh, set uh, the, the 13th uh, quickest overall time. Uh, so, I mean, not really all that great, but again... You know, take that with a with a pinch of salt. Anyways, uh, Albon had to say, "quote I definitely say it's more usable in terms you can really feel the car. I think there were always areas last year where we felt the car was a little weak in some places, but with Max and I, we have a quite similar seed similar feedback comments. So coming over the winter, it was kind of clear what direction we wanted to go in. Coming already straight into the first test, the car 
car definitely feels better in them areas, so we've made a step forwards, end quote. And again, uh, it, you know, Ferrari, they're a bit of a, a question mark. Uh, Red Bull, without a doubt, uh, last year, I mean, they, they may not have uh, you know really set the world on fire, but it was a positive season, I felt, uh, for them, both uh, with, uh, with the Honda engines and with the car themselves. Obviously, they have a, a very, very good driver and, and Max Verstappen. Looks like they've got another very good uh, driver in Alex Albon. I mean, mind you, he had less than uh, 10 races after uh, coming up uh, from, from Toro. So, so we'll have to see how he's uh, able to do in a full season uh, with, with Red Bull this year. But uh, interesting comments uh, that uh, they, they feel quite positive about uh, the, the car so far. Anyways, it, it seems a bit strange now to be talking about uh, driver's rumors and silly season and, and stuff like that. But it, it's out there. It's, it's out there at the moment. And uh, we'll... I mean, it's nothing shocking, uh, and uh, the, these shouldn't really come as a surprise. But uh, Danny Ricardo says he will answer calls from uh, rival teams, but uh, he prefers to say stay at Renault. And well, that's a bit of a, an interesting one, considering some of the issues that uh, that he's had. Uh, you know, Renault did not uh, have a very good season uh, last year uh, since he's uh, moved uh, over from uh, Red Bull at the end of uh, 2018. I mean, it was it was difficult. I mean, Ricardo has been mentioned as a possible move to Ferrari in in. 2021. Uh, it's been interesting that, uh, you know, that, that his name has been uh, mentioned as a potential replacement for Sebastian Vettel, which you could expect. But, um, you know, it, it the, the more that time goes on, I mean, uh, Ferrari themselves, Bonato said that, uh, that you know, they, they would like to keep uh, Sebastian uh, Vettel. But you can see why Ricardo's name would uh, be uh, thrown out there, uh, you know, not just with uh, Ferrari, but uh, anyone else. I mean, he is a, a good Formula One driver. Anyways, uh, Ricardo had to say, quote, Quote, I reiterated afterwards, I didn't get that off uh, properly, quote, I'll say that again, I reiterated afterwards, probably in the second part of that sentence, I will answer calls for sure, but most importantly, I want this to work. I don't want to feel like I've just come to Renault and just got away from uh, Red Bull and then I'm looking for the next best thing. I really want to make this happen and make it work. Obviously, the step is getting more out of this year than we did last year and hopefully getting enough out of it that the journey continues beyond my two-year contract. That's the ideal scenario. To talk about other what-ifs and future here and there, it's still too early, end quote. And I think that, uh, you know, at least publicly, I mean, he's saying all the right things. I mean, uh, you know, if he was just to stay there and jump at the first opportunity, yeah, I mean, it would look a, a little bit uh, like he was just uh, used that as a convenient out uh, to get away from Red Bull when obviously that team was uh, focusing more on Max uh, Verstappen. But again, on the other side, I mean, uh, Renault haven't been able to, to really step up and uh, deliver to this point. Again, it was only one season that he's been with him. So, you know, that um, one season is one season. I mean, they, they've been saying all the right things, uh, Renault that is, for for this year and that uh, they've turned things around. They're going to have a better year. But again, we won't know until uh, the, with the, the season gets underway and this uh, becomes serious. So, you know, Ricardo, that's definitely one to watch, but uh, certainly it's, you know, at least publicly what he's saying. He wants to stay there and make it work. And you can see why he, he would want to. I mean, if uh, he was go to uh, to, to uh, Ferrari or even to, to Mercedes, he would be second fiddle to Lewis Hamilton and, and probably even uh, Charles Leclerc. I mean, Charles has signed a long-term contract to, was it 2024, 2025? I can't remember if I get the, the length of the contract between him and uh, the deal that Max Verstappen signed uh, with uh, Red Bull over the winter as uh, he's there till 2024. I think uh, Charles 2025. I Either way, I mean it, it's 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 a long term contract, and uh, those uh, both those teams are really committing to those young guys. Lewis Hamilton, I mean Lewis has gotten to that point.
point. I think that as long as the the dollars and cents uh, make uh, you know work out uh, for him in uh, any renegotiation uh, with uh, Mercedes, he's going to stay there. And I think that obviously what uh, he's done and what uh, he's can, you know still able to do. I mean, the guy's uh, obviously the best driver of this generation, one of the best of all time. I mean when he's still on top of the game on top of his game i think he has the right to walk away on his own terms uh, you know on on his own timetable as well anyways uh, that's why i think that uh, regardless if um, potentially if uh, a move to ferrari or mercedes were to happen uh, for danny ricardo that uh, he would be the number 2 driver whereas you know in a team like uh, renault i think there's more uh, more potential more opportunity that if uh, he gets things right that he could be the uh, the, the big dog over there Anyways, uh, just uh, moving over from uh, Ricardo at uh, at uh, Renault, we're going to talk now about uh, Valtteri Bottas and uh, Mercedes, and uh, he wants the 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 the, uh, the contract talks to be more expedited, and he wants them to be more internal, and he doesn't want to drag out contracts and negotiation uh, with a with a you know Mercedes for a new deal for 2021, and uh, he said uh, that there he felt there was what he called uh, too much unnecessary talk outside of the team last year, but you know it's interesting. Because uh, since he went there after uh, 2016, he's it's always been on a one-year deal, and he gets like a one-year contract extension. And I think you know that's all fine for him to say that he wants these talks to be ex- expedited and more internal. But I don't know if he's really in a position to really demand that. I think it's fair that he can expect that, but I don't know if that's going to to come to happen for him. I mean, he's been a good driver for them, but uh, you know, compared to you know, Nico Rosberg, Nico won more races and, you know, he was, I mean, I mean, the, the big problem with him was the, the, the clash that he had, uh, with, uh, with Lewis Hamilton. I mean, that was like a, a perpetual thing, whereas, uh, Bottas has come in. I mean, he's been completely opposite to, to Nico Rosberg in that, uh, that, that regard that, uh, you know, he gets along very well with uh, Lewis Hamilton, almost to the point that, uh, he's in what I like to jokingly call the, uh, the, the Hamilton friend zone, whereas, uh, Rosberg wasn't afraid to go out there and, uh, and, and and smash things up and and really mix it up and uh, you know taking uh, 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 Hamilton off the track if that's what it uh, took, which is not correct either. But um, uh, uh, Bottas uh, to me seems a little bit uh, too docile. But again, we haven't really seen too many situations where the the, the two of them have had too many uh, opportunities to really race to, to one another. But I mean, uh, Bottas always moves over when ordered to. You know, I mean, he is the ultimate uh, team guy. I mean, uh, he's uh, obviously uh, delivered. Uh, you know enough wins uh i think he's what uh, seven career wins now and uh, and lots of podiums so so they've uh, continued to win the constructors championship over the past uh, couple of years since he's uh, been there but at the end of the day you know maybe they're looking for, for something more maybe they want uh, somebody that can uh they, they can look to to the long term that is going to uh, maybe be that guy that uh, that can come in and uh maybe eventually take over from from lewis hamilton i mean it's not going to be max verstappen i mean he's at uh, red bull for the long term it's not going to be charles leclerc he's going to be at red bull for the long term so maybe that's going to be the uh, one of the deciding factors in uh, whether uh, uh, uh valtteri bottas gets to stay at uh, mercedes uh, beyond this year it's maybe not so much that uh, that he's not getting the job done but maybe they want to get somebody else in there that's uh, going to be able to get the job done 
down the road somewhere and still be able to deliver the what they, they need right now uh, to, to continue this domination and a string of uh, constructors championships that uh, they've uh, been winning each and every year since uh, 2014. Anyways, just a, a couple of final uh, notes here but before we shut it down. Uh, Fernando Alonso has announced that uh, he's uh, going to be reuniting with the McLaren to race at uh, the Indy 500 uh, in May of this year. So this is going to be his third try to win the, the, the 500 and that will be the third part of uh, the, the Triple Crown. I mean, he's already won Monaco. He's already won Le Mans. And uh, well, he's won both of those events um, on, on two occasions each. So um, he would be the only driver uh, to do it since Graham Hill uh, did, uh, you know, won the Triple Crown back in the 1960s. Anyway, so so uh, Alonso drove for a McLaren's F1 team uh, on two occasions, obviously way back in the uh, the early 2000s, uh, back in 2007, and then in a very underwhelming stint from 2015 to 2018, and then uh, at the end of. Uh, uh, 2018, he walked away from the Formula One, left the door open. But I mean, he's been uh, out, uh, you know, very out there over the past several years, saying that uh, he wants to to win the Indy 500. And when you're that close, I mean, he's already won uh, the, the the Formula One World Championship twice be it a very long time ago now. I mean, it's going back 2005, 2006, already 15 years ago. I mean, he, he left that door open, but whether or not there'll be any uh, takers uh, to, to, to bring him up on that, that's uh, something completely different, but uh, he will be uh, back. I mean, last year he wasn't able to qualify. He did very well, I thought, in uh, his debut at Indy in uh, 2017. I mean, he uh, he he was out there. He was leading uh, the, the race for a while, and uh, he was up there with the front runners, but uh, ultimately uh, it was an engine failure that uh, that ended his uh, that afternoon so i mean it was disappointing from that debut but it was even more disappointing he was he wasn't able to, to to qualify last year so fernando going to be back at the 500 in a couple of months from now so that uh, will be another thing we'll have to keep our eyes on anyways this is it i'm starting to run out of steam here long show this week we're pushing now an hour and 20 minutes but had to get through all of that and hey that's the fun part that's a fun thing and that's why we do what we do and that's why we love Formula One. Anyways, thank you very much for downloading and listening to the show. Uh, if you want to do us a solid and and, and help us, and uh, it doesn't take anything much, it's just a little bit of investment of your time. Certainly not in this uh, to make any money, so we don't require any for, uh, financial help. So if you want to help us out, easiest way to go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and enjoy your podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. It uh, certainly would be most appreciated. And uh, we're grateful uh, for all of you that, uh, that have already done that on our behalf. Anyways, if you want to get in touch with me with any feedback, any comments, or you just want to say hi, do so on Twitter at f one pod or send me an email at f one pod at gmail.com. That's it, guys. That's a wrap. I've got nothing left in the tank. It's vapors. It's getting late here. So that's it. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Have a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.